Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I am your host, Alex Danzig. We're excited to announce that we are bringing the Cafe Bitcoin Conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Max Kaiser, Lynn Alden, Thomas Strolight, Corey Clipston, and many others from the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, every morning and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. So I have a lot of questions that are genuinely yeah. sincere because I'm doubtful when, when I hear somebody say, oh, I've studied, you know, I can hear economists saying, oh, I've studied economics for 20 years and don't worry, money printing. And, yeah, and they cause still don't understand shit. Yeah. Right. right, exactly. Right. Think about PhD economists who studied right. their stuff for how many thousands of hours and many of them are still complete idiots. I don't know. Um, part of me just, just wonders, it's like either A, the guy's genuinely that dumb, but I don't think he is. Um, or B, you know, maybe guys study Bitcoin peripherally, but if you don't ever buy any, if you don't like, okay, the act of actually having Bitcoin transferred to you in a moon wallet and then sending some to someone is an extremely eye-opening experience. Yes. Using something and reading about it is different, right? The, the, the famous example is, of course, this particular thing called sex. You can read all you want about it, but you haven't experienced it until you've had it. And there's there's a similar thing about anything. Swimming. You can read all you want about swimming, but until you've actually gone in the water, you don't understand what it is at a fundamental level and and this may be part of the issue for people who won't even dip their toe in the water to use the second analogy um they really can't appreciate what it is they haven't experienced what it's like to send or to receive something that is immutable irreversible in unseizable uh permissionless <laughs> free of middlemen and so they, they live in a world where they think, ah, oh, these things aren't important. I don't really need them. And yet they've never experienced them. I could go on, but I won't. Yeah, I totally agree. And Shane? I was just going to say, since you're talking about this, you know, uh, uh, I'll just say it this way. I was talking to a friend of the show late last week about, you know, different wallets and stuff like that, because, you know, they wanted to be more effective or felt it would be a very um, effective tool to basically get their friends on a lightning wallet, you know, and send them some Satoshis real quick and all that. And I think they're, I think they're obviously onto something. I agree with you, Alex, you know, with regards to, uh, I think it's an important part, even if you don't plan on even if that person doesn't ultimately plan on using it as a medium of exchange very much, just that, that immediate um, exposure to the Bitcoin network and how it works, I think is really powerful. I guess subconsciously that's kind of where my mind was trying to go is, is that like when I brought up the, the UFC fighter taking her entire salary in Bitcoin 
and the fact that UFC fighters may not have a very long career. So if you choose poorly when it comes to that, that's really bad, right? And then the whole thing of, well, you can read about it, you can study it, but like if it comes to stuff like MMA and, you know, this is the same thing that exists with guys who who are professional warriors, you know? Like, there's a difference between reading about it in a book and getting in there and getting punched in the face or shot at or blown up. Like, those are two different experiences. So, you know, just listening to this, it's just, it comes down to when somebody has a need or a necessity for one or many of the properties of Bitcoin, they will gravitate towards Bitcoin. Um, and and I think you're right. There is a there is a, an iterative process to discovery, and any of these things could be um, something that you know interest sp- spikes or sparks some interest in in someone to to look further. I think once they look further, uh, they're generally they're generally convinced. I think the biggest problem is that many of the people that we or certainly that I um, encounter are people who have a steady stream of income and have profited and are continuing to profit off of the fiat system. And they can't, they can't see outside of that bubble. They just can't see that there's something outside of the fiat system and the thing that they have had in their lives for, you know, almost their their entire life and i think that some of the tradfi guys like three aces and jordan george noble are great examples these guys see that there's a problem they understand there's a problem um but they they can't get outside of that bubble versus a guy like lawrence lapard who also saw there was a problem and maybe it's because it was gold background but he was able to get outside of that of that bubble to see, you know, that there is something outside of the system. It's just, it's very, it's very hard to wrap your head around the idea that there's something that's completely outside of the current system that is um, such a, an excellent uh, and near perfect, if not perfect uh, medium of exchange. Yeah. It's that comfort thing, right? Good times make weak men. And unless you're struggling, you don't think outside that box of comfort very much. Or you don't have to, I should say. Lots of people choose to regardless, but you don't have to, so it's easy. Wouldn't you say that most of the world is in that bubble right now? They just don't really see what's coming, but people in Bitcoin kind of do. And well, they the comfort why- bubble? Yeah, Is most you know, of people, the world in the comfort bubble. I don't know. Well, not necessarily comfortable, but believing that the system is going to be okay and it's going to fix itself or whatnot, and trusting in their authority all over the world, and people still trust governments everywhere. I think in the West, maybe in 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 sort of the quote modernized countries of the West, maybe, but everywhere else in the world, nope, not so yeah, much. Definitely seeing cracks everywhere else in the world. Well, it's finally happening is, I guess, my point is you know, for too many decades, everybody just accepted what they were told is the way it should work, including money, obviously. And now there's a different choice. And 
you know, the, I think the leaders of the world shot themselves in the foot in the last two years because they, I think they tried to get away with too much too quickly. Not and of the world, of the West. Well, there was plenty of authoritarian tyranny in, in Eastern countries all over, the, you know, whatever. I, I, there's every level of, you know, freedom to tyranny uh, expressed somewhere in this, on this planet. But a lot of that is being exposed now thanks to the Internet and thanks to people finding things like Bitcoin. And yeah. people in countries are starting to realize, wait a minute, it's not going to be like it always was. So hopefully it gets better. But for now, it looks like a yeah. meltdown. <laughs> That's fair. So there's kind of like three different, I guess, well, I'm sure there's a, a wide spectrum of situations. But if you're outside the West and you're outside Disneyland, maybe life ain't so sweet. And maybe these people have been thinking about this stuff for a long time. And if you are a country that's been beat up by the United States dollar, you might've been thinking about too. So another headline, targeting the US dollar's hegemony, Russia, China, and the BRICS nations are planning to craft a new international reserve currency. That's interesting. Nobody in, uh, none, none of the Bitcoin maxis saw that coming. <laughs> just one of those things you know if you get if you get canceled out of the system you got to go somewhere people got to eat same is true if you're a country i guess i put up in the nest a uh um uh, a tweet that was put out um it looks like the the White House is talking about uh, changing the definition of recession. Yeah, so that. It's just one more offensive thing. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they've been doing this stuff for so long, changing the definition of things. I mean, it's become so in your face, like all of it. You know, they changed the definition of a vaccine. They changed the definition of a pandemic. They changed the vision. Okay, our, our, this this episode is going to get flagged, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Alex. It's commonplace nowadays, unfortunately, for them to change the narrative or change the definition of something to keep us keep you know a bunch of people thinking things are better than they actually are. <laughs> this all started uh, pre-creation of the Fed. The moving of the goalpost and changing definitions and words and adding words and adding definitions and making up things to suit their narrative so they can push their agenda. And um, it's going to end. Um, it's just going to end horrifically. And it's sad, but it was just uh, it's sad to see that so many Bitcoiners know and see what's coming. And we're trying and, you know, don't don't get too black pilled, but uh you know, we can see what's coming, what's happening. And the best you can do is, you know, friends, family, and community, just warn them, orange pill them, you know, get them on, you know, start helping them with their diets. You know, I think a lot of um, issues stem from our diets and, and the, just like what you're talking about, changing in definitions. Like one of the things that my wife and I kind of noticed over the last year is being a, a Canadian citizen, we have the Canada Food Guide. And I remember as a kid, um, the bottom of the food pyramid was like breads and cereals and pastas yeah. and rice and yeah. all that. And then you move up and it was fruits and vegetables and a little tiny sliver at the top was meat. 
You need yep. to flip that whole thing around because it's all a lie. So our own government, we know they've lied and we know they've lied through using basic, proper science. You know, red meat, fish, pork, you know, wild game like deer and and, and elk and bison. Those, those meats are so good for the human body because our body identifies with those proteins and it's so much easier for us, one, to create muscle uh, and tissue and to support ourselves through the vitamins that that provides as opposed to like this gluttonous globule of like pasta that's like wheat. Our body is just not used to that type of or that amount of consumption of that. But we've been lied to and it's it's blatant and it's in the U.S. and it's all over. It's these types of lies that so many people have fallen for. It's the same thing. People vilified salt and actual fat, animal fat. And they glorified and said, you know, uh, these seed oils and um, 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 sh sugar was, you know, they never said anything about sugar, high fructose corn syrup and all of these things. And American they Heart jab Association, that's where a lot of that started. Yeah. And, it, and it's just a total, total lies, like totally lies. Do you know and who the American Heart Association was founded by? I do. I, do, I don't. I don't. Well, Tansel Tell Keys had too. a lot to do with it. He was one of the first proponents, and he got a lot of money, uh, you know, through them and for them. Uh, his his efforts essentially allowed the American Heart Association to adopt his recommendations for diet, low who, fat. Who, who? Can you say his name again? Ansel Keys. Yeah, um, but it's he, not. It's not the dude. That's not. Who, that's not who founded that organization. Oh, okay. Sorry, you, I, I misunderstood your question. I apologize. Yeah, it was it was a consortium of uh, companies that were trying to sell uh, seed oils. I'm not dun, making dun, that up. Dun. Yeah, I'll tell course, you, if you really want to know is. the history, there's a, a book written by a woman named Nina Teicholtz. She's a um, she's not a doctor. She's just an investigative journalist. But she spent more than ten years looking into the food industrial complex, and she wrote a book called My Big Fat Surprise. And I've heard her on many podcasts discussing the history of how this all developed. And essentially, Ansel Keys did a study. Uh, he wanted to prove that uh, because I think it was um, Eisenhower had a heart attack and the country was freaking out, like the president almost died. So he did this. He called it the seven countries study. But really, he actually studied 29 countries and then just published a chart and left all the other ones out. So it, his conclusions would follow um, his yeah, hypothesis. Cherry, cherry picked the data. Totally yeah, it's, it's and, the standard. It's the standard thing you're seeing in everywhere. You know, like nowadays that's saying follow the science. What it really means, follow the science. That's following the money. Yeah, and also um, they did the same thing with uh, cannabis and hemp, like the plant for making clothes and 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 you know, um, you know, just all types of things. The uh, the cotton industry. Uh, lobbied and you know tried to vilify it and yes obviously you can get the, the the buds and get high and smoke it or whatever but i'm saying the actual plant itself had a lot of really good qualities to it and they lobbied and made it this big you know um boogeyman and so you know hemp growing it producing it for the for the good good that it can um provide uh was uh, rallied against and blocked and banned uh, by the yeah. cotton industry and and the wood industry and the wood industry, yes. 
Yeah, hemp has so many um, use cases from all the way from oils that you can press out of the seeds to fabric and clothing and building materials. I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's one so, of the most versatile plants on the planet. I think the main point to take away from this, for me anyway, is, is that monetary interests, corporate interests, special interests have been using the government to push shit onto the public so that they can generate massive profits for a really long freaking time. This stuff's been going on for a long time. I, I agree, and I'll add to it's also a centralization of power and control over people. And uh, I think that the Bill of Rights is, uh, if you notice, everyone talks about America's democracy, America, the democracy, democracy in America, and Not so everybody. on and so forth. No, no, but I mean, like the news pundits and stuff like that. Um, but um, And they always push the Constitution, but you notice they never talk about the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is what's you know, preventing all of these um, elites and globalists uh, from basically turning USA into, we'll say, Canada or some other, you know, European uh, kind of quasi-socialist country, you know, under some sort of royalty. And I think people really need to start uh, paying attention and reading the Bill of Rights because it is a very powerful document. And uh, those rights, uh, including the terms of service that you sign off on and Twitter and all of that, you can sign off on those. They don't ever suspend your rights ever. They're not, you're born with them and you die with them. Yeah. And that's, the, that's what, do you know why they can't suspend your rights? It's because they're inalienable. Right. No. Why are they inalienable? Why? They're in, right, I'm, uh, I'm going to say something right now. That's going to irritate a lot of people. And I don't care. In America, the way the country was founded, the rights, and it says so in the founding documents, the rights are given to us by God. Yep, 100%. Not by men. Because if the rights are given to you by men, they can also be taken from you by men. Correct. And that's, that's what's unique. You know, if you look at a lot of the Commonwealth sort of countries, they've got this culture and this history of having their rights granted to them by the by the. Royalty by the, monarch, by the monarchy, right? Yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. This is this it's is totally where disgusting. The confusion enters the picture. So, and something I want to go back to a minute uh, that you said a minute ago, Mister. By the way, I want to shout out to Greg Foss in the audience. Good morning, Greg. Throwing you an invite if you want to come up here. You're welcome. I know sometimes you can't. It's all good. Um, morning, Greg. Little, Hello, Canadian. Something you said a little while ago is don't get too black pilled. Look, I'm not black pilled at all. Like I am hopeful as hell. Ever since Bitcoin, man, I am I am absolutely on on a rampage of getting this message out to the world. Like I am not black pilled. I don't think anybody, any of us, you want to be black pilled? Go be a gold bug. When I was a gold bug, I was black pilled. I was depressed. Like years ago, I was looking at the world, going, "We are screwed, and we don't have a solution." I hope to God we go back to gold someday. Maybe get some honest money. But that wasn't happening, and in the back of my mind, I was probably, if I was being honest about it, <laughs> I knew it was never going to happen. And so, well, I think that's you know, I think that's the case for for a lot of quote unquote boomers and and older folks out there. Um, they think that somehow just voting like Republican or Democrat or whatever is just going to fix everything. And I I applaud people for trying to do it by the ballot box. But at the end of the day, I think most Bitcoiners know. 
it's and this is cliche, I know, but it's just the president's just a puppet. The government is just a it's it's like uh, the Wizard of Oz, right? Don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain, and and I think most Bitcoiners understand that. But I, I still encourage people to get out, most vote, exercise Bitcoiners your freedom. Understand that it's proof of work, and when you vote for somebody to have them do it, you're in proof of stake. You're you're just shifting the responsibility to somebody else and hoping that it happens, and not willing to do the work yourself. I think that's the difference. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree. Alex, I just wanted to piggyback on that. Um, you know, I, before I was orange pilled, um, I was black pilled. I, I kind of stumbled upon, um, some of the realities of things like, uh, the cares act, um, and how that really opened my eyes to how governments work, particularly how they protect citizens in times of, um, uncertainty. And it, it kind of led me down a, a path of being blackpilled. And it wasn't for probably a year after that until I um, fell into Bitcoin. And since that time, it's completely turned me into a, a, an optimist. You know, it's like Bitcoin puts these solutions into your head to the problems you may be thinking about. And for me, it's just completely shifted my perspective from somebody that was pessimistic about the future to extremely, extremely optimistic about the opportunities that Bitcoin affords. Yeah, man, I agree with that 100%. Same, same. Tomer? Yeah, I just, um, I thought I'd read the first sentence of the Declaration of Independence to make, to help me make your point and also to make another point. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them and it goes on. But they're saying two things. They are saying that there are rights that come from nature and rights that come from God. And they're saying that from time to time in the course of human history, you have to disband the government because it no longer serves the interests of nature and God. They kind of tried to do that on January 6th, didn't they? Well, so, uh, so some people argue, you know, some people will argue or label that, but they're, they're not saying in the Constitution, and this country will stand as is forever. They're saying from time to time in history, things go bad. And this is one of those times where we're just declaring independence because we no longer accept the rule of this king. Um, and I, I just think, like, you know, when we're now facing all these redefinitions of every word, of every concept, by people who are basically trying to cover their ass, we're getting increasingly close to this point in time where <laughs> that, that that doesn't hold us together anymore. Can I just say and one I quick thing? The point is the, the revolution. I, Tomer, it's, it's, I had the same thing. I read the Declaration of Independence right around the 4th, and it was the first time since being on this side of uh, my Bitcoin journey that I realized that Wow, I mean, almost 300 years ago, these words are as relevant as ever. And just the format of what the Declaration of Independence was, right? It was a declaration. It was uh, supporting evidence for that declaration, right? Here's our list of grievances. Um, they, from our perspective, are just and, and moral. And then here is what we are going to do. And, and one of the beautiful lines uh, at the end is that you know, we are going to treat our, essentially our mother, uh, Great Britain, um, as we do all countries in times of peace as friends and in times of war as enemies. 
um, and we're willing to sign this piece of paper, which is a death warrant, and fight for these values to the death. And, you know, it's it's interesting to kind of lay that document onto current society because there are a list of grievances that I think a lot of people are aware of. Um, it doesn't mean you have to storm a Capitol building. It doesn't mean you have to start a violent revolution. But what Bitcoin is, is the means to fight back in the modern day. Yeah, but it also guarantees you the ability to do that if you need to. And the other thing is, too, there are so many violations of the of the Bill of Rights right now. Even Twitter's terms of service is a complete and total violation of the Bill of Rights. And I just wanted to say one last thing. If you want to learn about, you know, the second article of, of the Bill of Rights, which is your your what people call the Second Amendment, read what Tench Cokes said about it. You know, people have this notion that you can only have an AR-15 and you can't have a, a Stinger missile or anything. And it's very clear that the United States American national should have the exact same tools of, of the most gruesome tools at their availability to fight off the enemies of other nations at any point in time. And that includes your own government. And I'd say right now, the United States American national is a little outgunned by your own military. And that is not a good thing. And that's like, it's, it's very clear of just exactly foreign and domestic terrorism, what they were talking about. So the fact that you can own an, an AR-15 shouldn't even be part of the debate. It should be, you are allowed to own a tank if you really want to. And that tank should be fully functioning if you really want it to. This is the problem. People just get so yeah. uncomfortable with that. But that's sure an absolute you're right. You sure you're Canadian? You're Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm Canadian. I've uh, I've been blessed to be should, legally working you down be here. Down here, brother, you should become I, an American I, because you I, you sound like an American. I uh, I've, I've been blessed to be uh, legally working here for six years uh, on on a visa, and I'm currently trying to become an American. Um, it's a very very difficult and tricky uh, process, but I am I'm I am trying to do that. We're good. Luck. I just want to go back. I welcome you with open arms. I hope you make it. Go ahead, Tomer. I just want to go back to the to the previous point, which is what the intention was, or, or the message was, of the opening statement and the and the declaration, which is they're saying we can't work within the system anymore. Right? We're declaring independence. We're doing something that's outside the system. We're not appealing to the queen or to the king to say here here within the process. And the hierarchy and all the institutions and structures, here's what we would like to do. They're not having a vote. They're not having an election. They're having a declaration of independence. And I, I do think that that's what Bitcoin is. It's outside the system. Right? It's not, we're going to have an election to get politicians to tell the truth. Or we're going to lobby the government to change the laws as they pertain to money printing and asset seizure. And banking, it's like we're just going to create a system outside the system, and we're going to choose yeah. to do this one. And, and Bitcoin is this nonviolent version of of this, right? Like, there's, it's not we're not storming and burning down banks. We're building something that we choose to use on our own. And I think that's where the con this concept that's been labeled the peaceful revolution comes from. But it is it's this solution that says we're we're not working within the system. We're leaving the system behind and working outside of the system. And we have a system that can work. The, the power of it is, even though we're outgunned, none of the guns can destroy Bitcoin. <laughs> you take a tank and try to use it to destroy Bitcoin. Take an AR-15, take an atom bomb. You can't. 
And so that's what that's what's giving us the ability to build a system outside the system. And I, I totally agree and I support that. Um, the other point that I want to say is what is this system and who allows it to happen and exist? You know, as Americans, you guys have the ability to trash it if you want. You don't, the, the thing that bothers me is that you shouldn't have to work outside of a system. I know, I know there's a reality there, but I'm just saying it's frustrating because you shouldn't have you see, to, but that's, but that's the reality today. Yeah. Like they've dug you're, their you're, claws in so deep that you like, have to like kind of, we're, we're, we're dealing know. with, with, we're dealing with multiple, multiple decades of decay and corruption at this point. And you're not going to just reverse that overnight. I think Tomer's right. I think you have to do it from outside the system. The solution's not going to come from inside the system. Mister, you might be new to the space. So we, what we tend to do is instead of just jumping in all the time, we try to raise hands, we try to take turns. So we're going to let Peter go. Go ahead, buddy. I was going to say this, that what Tomer was just saying kind of circles back to what kind of started this conversation about how the uh, White House is talking about changing the definition of recession. I was just trying to imagine you know, if a if a you know, quote unquote Bitcoin maxi was was in the White House, what the news cycle would look like there instead of what the news cycle looks like now. Oh, they'd probably try to assassinate him. I'm just kidding. Surfer Jim. <laughs> I actually agree with that. You can't work inside that system and deal with all the people who have authority over you and and tell everybody they're all wrong. So uh, I don't see that working. I do believe the parallel system we're working well, if with it's here the president, is what could do it. If it's the president. Well, that's different. Uh, it's hard to say because I don't believe even the president's in charge. You, you got to think about when these people get elected in, they move into a system that's already there with lots of people that have been there for years. And the first thing they do is, oh, where do, where's my desk go? Where, where is this located? And somebody is teaching Congress people and the president, this is how your job works. OK, you just got the new job. Let me explain what you're going to be doing. Right. These people don't know how to be president when they get the job. They're taught how to be president. They're also taught what to say and how to act and who says what. And it, they're just puppets. Right. Unfortunately, um, Man, but I, this don't parallel system I don't know building, if I agree with that. Do you, I, do you think do you uh, think they would have went after Donald Trump as hard as they did if he was just a puppet? Uh, yeah, because the, the people that want the narrative are bigger than Trump and everybody else. I was going to say a comment about why this shitty system exists. Well, it's because wait, they wait, can wait. pay that's enforcers the, to keep it. Jim, that's exactly the opposite of what I just said. Like, <laughs> I just said, if he's not a puppet, would they have gone as hard at him as they did? He's and you puppet. just said, well, yeah, they would have because he's going off off narrative. Well, if he's going off narrative, he's not a puppet. I mean, I don't want to get deep in the weeds in it. But oh, I mean, that's a fair way to look at it. You're absolutely right. Yourself. Well, um, again, you know, I think what happens within this larger system is the people that are pulling the strings are appeasing the red, the red and the blue alternately, right? Because they don't want all-out war in this country, right? They want to keep people fighting with each other, so they let the blue win, they let the red win. When they, when they let and the I red win, I don't know if I Trump. agree with that either. Okay. I, I, right. I think there are certain people who would love to see all-out war in this country. I'm sure there is, but I just think that the people that control the system now, they control it because they control the enforcers and all the court systems, and the narrative they want is the narrative they keep. And, uh, and because we are threatened by extortion and violence if we buck that system. And it goes down to they can pay these enforcers because they control the money. 
I think it's a problem with the administrative state too, Jim, where you have this fourth branch of government, you know, which has been dubbed the swamp, but is a reality that most most Americans aren't really aware of, which is that, you know, you're taught there are three branches of government. It's this beautiful balance of checks and balances. Um, But what we have now, as and this has been since the 60s and 70s, is this ever growing um, swamp of the administrative state that gets more and more of our uh, uh, tax revenue sent to it or just fiat money sent over to it. These are unelected officials. These are, and this is, by the way, every three or four letter agency that you've ever heard of. Nobody elects these people. These institutions exist in perpetuity. They get more and more power and they have the power Mm -hmm. to survey you. They have the power to arrest you. They have the power to unelected unelected bureaucrats is is some bullshit. It is bullshit. And it doesn't matter whether it's three three letter agencies or if it's the IMF or, or if it's the, you know, any one of these BIS, unelected, supranational organizations that are basically outside the law of any nation they can do whatever the flip they want yeah and and this stuff has got to change that's that's the argument that i have that the president is not the most powerful man in the world because it's really these bureaucratic bodies that exist pretty much unregulated right they get to make their own rules in the way that we found out during covid unaccountable i think is the word you're looking for yes like they're making regulations left and right and they're expecting everybody else to abide by them these but are the they're, they're not are accountable to, to regulate anyone. the the industries, right? But it's very incestual, where you have the head or a board of director of Pfizer that then moves over to be the director of the FDA, and there's obviously a conflict of interest there. And this is just how the American well, you know, works. you've got all the doctors that are sitting on those panels, right? The review panels, they're all saying, "No, don't do it. Don't approve it. Don't approve it. Don't." They're all saying that, and what do they do? They do it anyway. And that's regardless why. of regardless of what the recommendations of the doctors are. And that's why I agree. It's not follow the science. It's follow the science that's following the money. Exactly. Ahead, Peter. And, you know, this goes this goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier with, you know, people voting for somebody and having them do the work for them. Um, I think it's the same thing. And, and Bitcoiners are willing to do the work. They're willing to to pull back the. Uh, the layers and and see what's there and verify for themselves rather than just taking it, you know, on somebody else's word that this is what's going on. And I think that's, you know, that's what allow, once again, that's what allows all of this, this bureaucracy to, um, to propagate and to expand is people's unwillingness to do the work. And that is, the work ethic that the fiat system instills in people, which is not encourages and incentivizes. We've had a rise of that administrative state. um, And like, uh, I'm actually gonna throw up a a crazy chart that since the 70s, the number of people that have joined the ranks of the administrative class has skyrocketed, like every other bubble uh, since 1971. And it is very much a proof of stake um, issue where you are a fiat issue, excuse me, where you have, you know, more of these useless jobs that just sort of fall into the bureaucratic organizations that aren't built for efficiency, aren't built for, you know, on, on principles of proof of work. It's just sort of this body that's perpetuating itself because of the money printing 
Um, and this and this goes back to problem. this goes back to our earlier conversation, Sean, where where you know we wonder why people who have lived inside of this proof of stake fiat system their entire lives can't see outside the bubble, can't see the solution that's sitting there because it's simply outside of the system. So, did we hit a bottom yet, or what? <laughs> Uh, the reason why I'm yeah, asking is apparently, apparently all the, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, you know, all the stuff is still coming out. Like Yuga Labs is facing a lawsuit for fraudulently promoting Bay, C, and ApeCoin. That's going down. Celsius and Doquan have gotten hit with another class action lawsuit. My sense is that the larger economic picture would do more for, uh, to reduce the price of Bitcoin right now than the stuff within the industry, potentially. And I'm referring to specifically, I think on Thursday, they're going to release the uh, second quarter GDP numbers. And of course, they want us to believe there's no issues going on. They don't want to call it a recession. I think everybody's been aware of the uh, propaganda they're putting out by trying to change the definition. Um, so... Yeah, I wonder if the larger market having an issue with that report, uh, you know, we see implosions around us and people look for their liquidity again and start selling more Bitcoin and, and drive the price down. So I'm kind of wondering after Thursday if we will see another price drop on Bitcoin because of those macro uh, effects, possibly. I'd love to hear somebody else's point of view on that. That kind of stuff typically gets priced in before before those, I mean, the announcements are pretty well telegraphed before they actually say them. There, there's usually some adjustments, but I don't know. It's been down 2,200 and lower for about 12 hours now. If, if we, if we continue to, um, if we continue to get expected news, the, and, and we are in some kind of, of bear market, uh, bouncy kind of uh, uh, space, then we're probably just going to continue to go sideways and, and up until something happens that really pops the the, the bubble. Um, or conversely, um, something happens that allows the um, allows the money to flow again. Monkeypox. <laughs> You know, one thing I don't exactly have an explanation for it, but it's it's like a shoe that hasn't dropped. But I'm not sure what the consequence of the shoe dropping um, is going to have because it could go either either way. It's like normally when there's been drawdowns, the altcoin market has been bloody destroyed to a much greater extent than it has recently, um, and it's not because there's value in there. <laughs> like that, this is. Um, these are made up coins that do nothing that are wholly centralized that are corporations that are dumping and the, and the price of this garbage is has has it came down with bitcoin but it came back up when bitcoin was starting to come up and there's still that blood to be had which is the uh, the annihilation of the fake currencies and there's still some volume there so i think that some of this stuff is is still people holding on to money that they haven't taken out of the altcoins and put into Bitcoin. 
Um, I wonder not, how much of that is staked so that they can't pull it out. Well, in Ethereum, it's a huge, it's like 30, it's like 13 or 15% of the entire, uh, of the entire pie. And then there's these derivative securities that trade on it. Um, and obviously with something like Hex, it's pretty much all of it, except for what a guy like Richard Hart owns. But I don't think that Hex is even in, in the equation. It's like, you know, Ripple is still 34 cents. It, it shouldn't be three cents, right? It should be zero, but it should, the market should be anticipating this. People haven't seen through all of all of the gimmicks and scams that are going on with these things. It, there seems to be every now and then some more awareness, but I, I do think a lot of people have been brought into this market. Uh, in the old days, people would come into Bitcoin and then get lured over to the altcoins. Today, there's so much marketing for the altcoins that people come into the altcoins. They hear, oh, this is an industry that was started by something old. It was called Bitcoin. You don't need to worry yourself about that. Yeah, nobody uses that one anymore. Right. It's so, all about the new stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, the, so they're bouncing around, not not getting any clear signal. They're jumping from Cardano to Binance Coin to Solana to, to Dogecoin, and they have no idea what's going on, and they hear about DAOs, and they hear about proof of stake, and they hear about all these other things. And so uh, there isn't there isn't the market becoming efficient based off of information as as has happened in the past when the when it was a smaller thing and people had come in from Bitcoin and then they've gone into these altcoins with these hopes and dreams and they're like, hold on a minute, this is nothing like it. I want to go back. So I, I think that all that froth is still there and it and it taints what what happens in Bitcoin. It creates more confusion because people will head for the exits eventually, but will Bitcoin be their exit or will getting liquidated be their exit or what will will they return to holding cash or will they return to investing in securities that are acknowledged to be securities so I, I just think that there's still a lot of uncertainty working its way through the system again for me long term it's clear that there's a signal here and the signal is by bitcoin in the short term it's hard to know whether that signal is received by enough people with enough influence. And so I, I try not to make any comments about the short term because I could see it going either way. And so, as you know, I just stack regularly and hold and uh, I'll, I'll write out dips and write out peaks as well. You know something you said that, that got me thinking was the, the whole hex thing. You know what's really so obnoxious about that whole thing is is that dude's out there flaunting all the money he's scammed off of the people who are invested in his shitcoin. It's just so ironic. And he just does it with no like there's no shame about it. Like it, it's like a marketing thing for him. And people are like, yeah, rip us off. Go. Yeah, there's some people that you can't help, right? Like I don't I don't know what actually it is in the psychology or or lack of, I don't mean to, this to be insulting, but like lack of information processing ability that people have who would say, I'm giving this my money to this guy. He's giving me a token that I can't spend for the next 10 years. He's using the money that I gave him to buy fancy, useless, ugly clothing. Mm, and but it's, and see, it's the <laughs> final stages. It's celebrating, it's celebrating the culture of scammery. Yeah, yeah I think it says a lot about our own psychology, Tomer. I think you nailed it that you know it, it's how flashy and just in your face this is about what this guy's doing with your money and and people being on board with that i think says a lot to the current state of um our culture 
Um, I also think that it exemplifies how people are afraid to think on their own. And what Bitcoin being a leaderless, um, you know, money or technology or asset, whatever you want to say it is, um, that scares a lot of people because a lot of people want to follow a leader, regardless of how obnoxious they may or may not be. They like to put their chips in with somebody that they feel like they can trust. And with Bitcoin, you're trusting no human. You're trusting math and code. And um, well, sometimes when you when you get far enough down that spectrum of societal decline, they're trusting people, maybe not not even or they're following people, maybe not even that they trust, but they're following them because they're like the best example of trying to get what they want, which I think yeah. is with a the 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 worshiping the culture of scammery and and consumerism and hedonism and status and stuff. I you know what. I had this, one of my really early business mentors I'm super fortunate to have run into told me this thing, the, this one day, he's like, status is when people buy stuff they can't afford to impress people they don't even like. And ever since that day, I was like, damn, this guy don't let me fall in that trap. All right, let's hit some announcements and then we'll keep rolling. You are listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Good morning and welcome. If you've never been here before, we talk about Bitcoin. This is the place for your morning news, a great place to learn about Bitcoin, a preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in Bitcoin to just chill, talk about what's going on. It is also a podcast up on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. You can throw myself a follow or Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when those drop. The Pacific Bitcoin Conference is coming soon. November 10th and 11th. Tickets are on sale now. You can go to PacificBitcoin.com uh, and use promo code CAFE, I believe, for 20% off. Biggest Bitcoin-only conference of the year. Parties, events, celebrations, sports, no shitcoiners on the stage, and no shitcoin sponsors. It's going to be all Bitcoiners, for, so it's for the plebs, guys. I work with Swan Bitcoin. If you want to put Bitcoin on your business balance sheet, you can do that. You can shoot me a DM. I'm happy to help you. We take customers from all around the world internationally. Swan Private is the division I work with, and we specialize in helping high net worth, ultra high net worth. If you want somebody that's kind of on the inside of the industry to be there kind of as your wingman, so to speak, we have a deep bench of experts. Talk to you about anything you need to know. Entry strategies, allocation strategies, inheritance planning, custody, multi-sig, whatever's on your mind. We're there for you. All right, let's keep going. Here's an interesting little thing that I saw today. Uh, by the way, these, I just want to shout out to Rustin, uh, who does a lot of our research and puts together a lot of these headlines and stuff for me. He does this every single day, completely volunteer. He doesn't get paid a dime. Love this guy. Um, Bitcoin records two times higher 30-day trailing volume trading volume, excuse me, than Apple, despite the bear, the bear market. Some people are like, well, you know, nobody uses Bitcoin and it's too small, too volatile, can't handle liquidity issues. Really? Didn't didn't Musk just in and out to the tune of a billion-ish dollars? Anyway, according to data acquired by Finbold. Apple's daily trading volume for 30 days ending July 22 stands at 11.6 billion. Day is, data is based on the stock shares per day session volume of 79.92 million. 
However, Bitcoin's average daily trading volume for the 30, same 30 days was 27.7 billion. Therefore, Bitcoin has recorded a trading volume of at least 2.3 times that of Apple. What's Apple's market cap? Isn't it much higher than Bitcoin? It's over a trillion, I believe. Yeah, it's definitely over a trillion, and it used to be close to two trillion. And I don't know what it's at now. It's two and a half trillion right now. Right. So, so it's literally five times. It's five times the market cap of Bitcoin. And yeah. Bitcoin is three times the trading volume. Well, let's let's be a little bit fair. Some of that trading volume that's reported on these exchanges is highly dubious and exaggerated. You know, and it's these wash trading things, and so it's it's probably not. It's probably exaggerated. Um, and, and also, when the, when people talk about on chain value transferred, a lot a lot of the value that is transferred is people is receiving change back to themselves when they break up an unspent transaction. It's like, mm, it's that's just a good point. Bitcoin, like, I give you half, I give half back to myself. And someone says, oh, a whole Bitcoin moved, but half of it moved back to me. <laughs> like I took half from one pocket and put it in another. So th these these things, they're very hard to measure. And, and that's good, right? <laughs> because that is actually privacy inducing. The system isn't completely surveillable. And that's a net good, but, but it comes with a trade-off of you don't have perfect information about what people did inside a private system. Good to know. Yeah, or at least a system that obfuscates some of the goings on within it, which is good enough. All right, we have a uh, a featured guest right now that we weren't sure whether this gentleman was going to pop in, but he has popped in. Good morning, David. Hello, hello. Yeah, welcome. Am I am I audible? You are audible, and you are loud and clear. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. So let me frame this up a little bit. Earlier okay. in the show, we were talking about how uh, governments basically have been co-opted by a lot of big money interests for many years to share information with the public that basically isn't true. We were using examples of like the FDA and the food pyramid and more recently, all the nonsense that's occurred recently. Yes. Um, and then over the weekend, there was some discussion about Udi going on Peter McCormick's podcast. Some people were pretty upset about it. A lot of the plebs are upset about it. It's a conversation about the quality of guests, et cetera. Um, and something that Bitcoin Sapien said was that that's his whole shtick. Playing dumb allows him to avoid taking responsibility, which led to David joining that thread and saying, um, it might be good for plebs to study the mechanisms and techniques of psychological manipulation which, uh, you know, cult brushing techniques, hypnosis, all that sort of stuff. He's got a list of nine primary tactics. And uh, Corey was curious about it, asked a little bit about it. David popped up a draft. I'll let, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'll let you explain this stuff. I'm just giving some color here. Um, yeah, yeah. And so here we are. Corey was like, hey, you, you should get on the show. And, and here we go. So David, tell us... Uh, why you know about this stuff and a little bit about what you're talking about. These, uh, <laughs> the okay. card, like talk to us about the card, the nine primary tactics. Okay. Uh, right. Um, 
<clears throat> okay, so um, let me just start with a, a very quick condensed uh, prehistory. Um, in the the last big bear market, the last crypto winter, so that was four years ago, 2019, I was uh, trying to mine cryptocurrency and I was doing all right. And then, and then the bear market started. Um, and I happened to be happened to have a friend who was a Montenegrin girl uh, who had a friend from Novi Sad who was involved in a on Bitcoin Bitcoin talk uh, a uh, oh, it's a community takeover project for um, a cryptocurrency called Parallel Coin, which was like a, this. This dude called Parallaxis just sort of dropped in, <clears throat> dropped in and, and said, I'm gonna release a new cryptocurrency which has uh SHA256 and uh script mining both. And then he disappeared a couple of weeks later. And uh this uh guy from Novisad brought me across to Novisad to work on this <clears throat> work on this project. And that that kind of uh, over the the subsequent two years until 2020, around it was around uh, May 2020 that that I I pretty much was kicked out of the project because of the lack of funding, um, <clears throat> and uh, that was the time during which I developed a, a great deal of skill and well actually it was 2019, so it was only really a year and a half. Anyway, uh, it's it's hard to remember because of because of how how intense it all was um and essentially essentially uh after that um i sort of was out of had no idea what i was doing for a while and then i, I was living in this house with these crazy people who believed in this uh christian rapture cult stuff and they have these kind of like regular weekly events like two or three nights a week that there was this thing that went on until three in the morning. And, um, and that was all a bit weird. And I sort of had things done to me that I didn't really quite understand. And then I finally got a job in, uh, so wait, the last... wait, let me, let me, let me pause you for one second there. You sure. had things done to you. What do you mean by that? <laughs> you uh, had things done to you. okay. Um, th this is a, a technique called, uh, fear of, Fear of leaving, uh, uh, phobia of leaving. You, 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 do you know what phobia of leaving means? Like no. that you're going to be left, or no? It's a, it's it's where manipulators in a cult uh, implant into you a fear to leave the cult. Oh, I've never heard it's of like this before. No, no. Please, please continue. Okay, phobia of leaving. So this was the first thing that sort of stuck out in my mind. And then the second thing was watching this, the, 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 the ringleader of this little operation, where, which was where I was living, um, engaging in a regular process of uh, humiliating uh, the, his little brother, as it happens, um, who was the cook. He was the one that was to provide the refreshments for the for the service if you like to call it that way like it was it was completely informal unprofessional not you know but there was a it was a regular thing and there was very often five six seven or eight people 
in involved in this group and there was videos and you know watching youtube videos about the rapture and all this sort of stuff this was the this was sort of the context in which i started to realize next uh i got a job with a with a cryptocurrency project that was uh doing a fork from um ethereum that where they would they had a essentially a a proof of proof of work system but that used uh stake in order to gain the right to to mine so you had to so it's actually proof of stake it's proof of stake proof of work proof of stake first yeah. then proof of work. yeah well it was interesting because it was uh most proof of stake systems just simply use a random number whereas this one actually used a proof of work system which essentially each uh each person staking uh they had some 90 or so shots at at winning at having the highest score in order to win the next block it was based on it was rooted so you're in buying the, lot you're buying lottery tickets yeah it was like buying lottery tickets i mean look, look proof of work is a is a buying lottery tickets thing um and, and in this yeah, case they exactly, just yeah. and, and in this case they just added this this feature that you had to lock up certain amount of your currency you get, you get that, to pay twice to, to buy the lottery ticket basically yeah yeah i guess you could say that and and i, I was uh <laughs> i ended up i ended up getting kicked out of that project because um somebody 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 who was previous to me uh more established uh proposed something in which was just a blatant uh security issue and i said he was stupid and then from then on it just you know obviously egos whatever <laughs> and then after that the next the next thing that that really this is what tripped it all off um the next after that so I, I i got fired from that job and then i got into this I, I got to this interview with this new company and and uh essentially at the end of the at, at the end by the end of the interview i felt like i was in love with the guy that interviewed me and i'm not gay I'm not gay at all. Uh, this was just a really weird experience. I was like, what the hell is going on? Somebody's just pushed my buttons. I don't understand what's going on. And it took almost two months before I started to realize, at which point I was formally fired because, okay, we had, well, I had a disagreement about the, 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 what, what my job was. My job was basically to, uh, well, from, from the interview, where I was persuaded to be infatuated, I was I was told that uh, I was going to be taking this GoLang uh, system uh, network core like a uh, layer one, and that which was based on. All right, so David, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. I apologize, sure. but we're pretty much out of time here shortly. So okay. if you want to talk about. Uh, okay, so essentially, essentially, where where this all where this all got to was that I realized that that I was being manipulated, and and this question kept on coming up in this process. Oh, wonder what wonder what they do. How how do how do cults work? And so then I went to went to do some research on it, and and then I thought to myself, if everyone had a, a simple system, you know, like a, a set of nine words that they could use to trigger a memory to remember, oh, 
this thing means this thing and that means a bad thing. And uh, as I came up with nine different words, charm, confuse, charge, uh, chasten, coerce, chain, condemn, conspire, and cornucopia. And these were like keys to, to understand uh, when somebody is trying to manipulate you. And these are these are used not just in in person in in text. They're used in visuals. They're used in all kinds of places in order to uh, in in order to uh, b- break your mind and and allow them to gain control of you. And uh, sorry sorry to to make the story go too long. Um, and essentially, I, I came up with a system of that. And then I, I thought to myself, well, there should also be a positive side, like how do I identify positive things? And so I've got a list of positive ones as well. And uh, a, a simple list of, of the essential things that you need to understand in order to, in order to uh, respond correctly to when you're being manipulated. And how do I identify when a person is manipulating you? And uh, uh, it's kind of a little bit of a broad to say uh, pretty much everyone who's trying to manipulate is a psychopath, but I, I think that's actually true. And um, and once you understand can you, this, can and you repeat you know that? I it, missed that a little bit. You said everybody what is a psychopath? Everyone who attempts to manipulate you is a psychopath. Yeah. Okay. Under most most conditions, may, not maybe not a psychopath, but somewhere in that. Sort of cluster, either the, cluster, either they're a psycho, either they're spectrum. a psychopath or they're they're the servant to the psychopath. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. That that explains a lot of the um, kind of propaganda-ish newsy stuff that that maybe the people that are putting it together aren't necessarily psychopaths, but they they might be working for one. Or yeah, yeah, and and they usually are convinced that 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 they're doing a good thing. As well, this is really important. They have to be convinced. And, and, and because... by and by working for one, I don't even mean their production manager. Maybe it's maybe it's the owner of the network or whatever. Yeah, it can it can be anyone who's not in in the controlling seat. Whoever's whoever's co- creating the direction, like uh, in a corporation, that would be somebody on the board could be doing this to manipulate the entire the board and then the right. entire corporation. And this is okay. really, really and common. So how does this, how does this, how does this, um, how does, what's the context? How does this uh, bear on the entire thing that went on over the weekend? So let's put it all together. Uh, essentially, essentially, as I see it, one of the main businesses of, of uh, toxic, what it means to be a toxic Bitcoin maxi is to be against manipulation uh, of people to make them buy garbage that is not going that is just going to be losing money got it so how to That's avoid it. the scams these are scams or cons how to avoid that how to identify the markers all that kind of stuff okay. yeah yeah exactly and and it's Gee. a list of nine 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 criteria that that you can easily remember that you can recognize when they when they're playing manipulative and my theory is basically that if you Spot three, if you put spot three markers in one piece of information, one one expression, one one packet, if you see spot three out of the nine, it's definitely you should not trust it. That's it. Interesting. All right. 
Hey, real quick, again, David, real quick. Can you publish that somewhere for for the, everybody listening? Sure, sure. I, I'll um, I, I've actually got uh, uh, original um, a, a post that I made on on Substack, which I disabled. Um, if, if anyone wants to to get it, uh, I can email it to somebody and and they can forward it to the other people. Send a send a link out in a tweet so everybody can see it. Okay, I think I'll, that would be I'll, helpful. I'll put it on my I'll put it on my GitHub. Nice. All right, cool. Well, I appreciate okay. you coming up, David, and explaining that. And uh, you guys want to take a look at that? Throw this guy a follow. Check out his feed. He's got info in there as well. It's fa- right, I mean, thank you very much. I, you're most welcome. I appreciate you coming up. Coming up. Personally, I find this kind of stuff fascinating because I I I like to study human behavior, why people do what they do, and uh, I've run across a couple of people in my lifetime that made me realize that not everybody's the same, I guess is one way to say it. I don't know. Um, while we are waiting for beauty on to come up, who's in the audience, by the way, shout out to beauty on, um, Greg Foss. Good morning. How are you doing? Hi, Alex. How are you guys? I'm, uh, I'm okay. Um, just sitting here in Toronto. Um, I guess you guys discussed about the uh, Wall Street, uh, excuse me, the Wall- White House economists potentially changing the uh, the rules on uh, how to define a recession. Uh, I don't want to repeat that, but uh, I just need people to understand how this changing of the goalposts is just more of the same um, gaslighting, if you will. And that's incredibly dangerous, uh, especially since policy should be set on a defined definition uh, so everyone's speaking the same language, right? And uh, this is the biggest problem. And it even happens uh, uh, at times on, uh, on Twitter where people are speaking at odds to each other when they're really speaking the same, they're saying the same thing. They just have a different definition of, uh, of, of what something, uh, means. So common definitions, certainly, uh, when you start rewriting a common definition, it's a a huge red flag for me. So I noticed Corey was on the call. I wasn't joking, Corey, because I saw that from a, a, it was a quote that Quoth the Raven had uh, sent around on, um, uh, the economists debating at the White House whether they're going to, uh, you know, not debating, but they're trying essentially to gaslight people into believing that there's now a new definition for recession. Extremely dangerous. Once again, uh, the impacts to total global debt to global GDP. Uh, recession is not growth. And when you're not growing, you are losing GDP, and when you're not growing in the denominator, which is your tax base or your GDP, but your numerator is growing because it's organically growing because it's got a coupon on it, i.e. your total debt, the debt spiral accelerates and escape velocity is impossible, okay? There's only one solution, people. All paths lead to Bitcoin. I don't care if we go into a depression and risk markets trade down another 40% because that's what they will if they repeat the 2008 crisis and Bitcoin goes lower over time people will understand that that is the only solution to the Fiat Ponzi so I'll go on on mute I uh, I mentioned uh, on Pubby's podcast yesterday that I was uh, banned for the first time in my Twitter career 
So no swearing for Foss. This will be my 48th hour. I feel like I'm on uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, but I'm on SA now. <laughs> Swear, swearing swearing's anonymous, okay? So uh, trying not to get banned again. But some, it's actually pretty interesting what happens when you do get banned. There's some Twitter algos that go uh, in different directions. So it's an experiment like everyone else or everything else. So try not to get banned, but thanks for uh, for inviting me up. You're welcome. By the way, Greg, you, you're welcome to, if you, you, you can say whatever you need to say in here. This is an adult show. We do occasionally say bad words, naughty words. It's okay, Greg. I appreciate that. But I did, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I got banned, not because I was swearing, but I, because I questioned the IQ of a certain world leader. Let's put it that way. Uh, but they, uh, <laughs> oh, but, can't they, imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, but let's just say that uh, you know they said it was hate, hateful speech. So you never know. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, it is. is so it is sad. what it is. And then that guy that was on before the Canadian guy that's now living in America. Um, uh, I I missed his name, but I thought he was uh, quite brilliant. Uh, yeah, you know what? You Americans attract uh, the best of Canadians because a lot of the Canadians have are fed up, and there is a difference between uh, still, uh, you know, uh, the different parliamentary rules the, the the structure of our parliaments uh or our uh, our governance in canada versus the usa so really good show i'll go on uh, uh on mute and uh one one thing i will p- point out the waves on the east coast must be the it must look like lake atlantic a eh, surfer jim because surfer jim's been on every single podcast i've been uh, tuned into lately <laughs> Because I guess mm-hmm. there's no there's no groundswell coming in on the Atlantic, there's, right? Tomorrow morning we're getting waves. Safe? It's going to be good tomorrow morning. All right, brother. Enjoy. See you guys. You know something that you, that you said, Greg, that I th- th- thought was interesting is gaslighting. Gaslighting is a manipulation technique. So is word salad. Both of those appear in the DSM five. If you're not familiar with that, that's basically the. I'm not uh, a professional in this space, but I have exposure to it because I, I was exposed to a couple of people who fall into this category of cluster B personality disorders, and it's a very life-disrupting experience. You start to think you're crazy. But here's the interesting part about that. They want you to think you're crazy. That's all part of it. Like uh, gaslighting, word salad, it causes confusion in people. And confusion is intentional because if they can confuse you, they they take away your ability to act and to do something about it. And that's actually all part of it. It's part of the deal. Uh, Peter, go ahead. So uh, just adding on to what Greg was saying, um, you know, about Bitcoin and depression, et cetera. If we look at Bitcoin as a leading indicator, and a lot of us do, it went below the 200 uh uh, uh, moving av- 200-week moving average and stayed there for a significant amount of time. Whether it goes back below there or not, you know, nobody knows. Uh, but if it is a leading indicator, I believe that the traditional markets bounced at the 200-week uh, um, moving average. So um, if Bitcoin is a leading indicator, and, you know, Greg's talking about, you know, this potential for a depression and 40%, uh, uh, you know, further down, that puts us below the 200, 200-week moving average. All right. Well, I guess we'll see what happens there. I want to welcome up Beauty On. Good morning, Beauty On. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming, man. Like, um, I, 
I know that you blocked me at one point. <laughs> I don't know why. I figured, um, you know, I say a lot of things that might offend people, so it's all good. You know, I get that sometimes. Um, but I've heard so much about you uh, that you have been writing in the space since 2013. You're basically, a, a you're an OG. And Tomer told me that you're one of the very first Bitcoin philosophers, which is impressive to me because Tomer to me is, he's like the Bitcoin shaman, man. Like he's full of wisdom and peace and love. And he's, he's quite the philosopher in my book. So been super excited to have you on uh, and to talk to you and get to know more about you and hear what you think is important right now. So for people who don't know you, cause I've never had a chance to talk to you. Would you mind? Tell us a little bit about you, your like your background, your Bitcoin story a little bit, and then we can jump into whatever you want. Well, uh, I actually started writing my Bitcoin in 2010, December 2010. <clears throat> and the reason why uh, I was able to um, understand a little bit about why Bitcoin is interesting is because I've had an, an interest in electronic money since uh, the 1990s. And so when Bitcoin came along, uh, I was sort of pre prepared, prepped you know, to try and make some kind of assessment of it. Of course, like most people, I didn't believe that it was, uh, it was real and that the double spending problem had been solved, but it turned out that it did get solved. And uh, the rest is history, and that history is being made now. So I've had a long-term interest in this problem and the problem, of course, being fiat money. And Bitcoin is the best attempt yet to solve this problem permanently. And I strongly uh, suspect that it's going to work. Let's dig into that a little bit. One of the, one of the things that um, Ant said to me in, in our crew DMs, Ant's one of our regular guys, um, and someone who I respect a lot because I think he knows a lot about Bitcoin. He's been around a long time. Um, he said that you were one of the people that were uh, sort of instrumental in his Bitcoin journey because some of this early stuff that you wrote. And one of the articles was about, I guess it was mimicking some kind of a game where there were, you have cells and, and, just kind of grows. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm probably Conway's massacring, yeah. massacring. Thank you. Tomer. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Like, why do you think this, why do you think this is going to happen? Well, Conway's game of life is a two dimensional game that uh, simulates a system that when you set it off, uh, follows a few basic rules to either take over an entire area on the grid or not. And it's interesting the kind of patterns you can get from very, very simple rules. And understanding this Conway's game of life and applying it to Bitcoin users as the nodes or the, the points on this grid, uh, it's easy to see what will happen if a lot of people are using Bitcoin and using it to send, uh, well, to send Bitcoin to each other. So I use that as a, as a way of illustrating that once everybody's using Bitcoin, and when I say everybody, a huge number of people, uh, there's going to be a very large body of uh, users 
who only ever use Bitcoin and who never ever have to be uh, KYC'd to get into Bitcoin because they're already in Bitcoin. And so this is a super important um, idea because there's a, a, a group of people who believe that uh, everybody who uses Bitcoin should be identified. And of course, I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. And the inevitable outcome of everybody using Bitcoin is that it's going to be impossible for anybody to know who is doing what on Bitcoin. And even if they have some kind of surveillance grid over Bitcoin and they can see in general what people are doing, even in the particular what people are doing, there aren't enough policemen to police every single Bitcoiner. If there's 2 billion, 3 billion people all using Bitcoin, it's not possible to police that. Anybody who knows the history of software piracy will know that it, it was never stopped. And essentially, they've given up on it and that the companies have tried to change their business models to make it uh, more palatable for customers to buy these movies and, uh, and music. And so what will happen with Bitcoin is that it's going to keep growing. The, uh, the cellular grid of users is going to expand and expand. And along the edge of that, there's going to be the KYC AML um, sort of gray zone where people are being inducted into the, 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 the black hole mass of Bitcoin. But eventually, everybody's going to be using it. And then it's going to be game over for Bitcoin surveillance. And so uh, if that's going to be the case, and I think it's inevitable, it doesn't make any sense to even start with Bitcoin surveillance since it's going to be useless even in the short term. So it's better for people to concentrate on uh, making better Bitcoin services, Bitcoin services that don't violate people's pr uh, privacy or uh, spread misleading ideas about what Bitcoin actually is, so that we get to that endpoint quicker, solve the fiat problem quicker, and then all the side effects and cascading uh, uh, benefits come quicker and we get out of this problem without any more bloodshed. Yeah, we've been talking about that quite a bit. I, I personally think that Bitcoin is the peaceful path forward. It's the way to change the system from outside the system without a violent revolution. And uh, it's absolutely required right that's exactly right. The root of the problem is the money. Without uh, a money spigot that has no consequence, where people can just print money ad hoc and willy-nilly, uh, there is no way of stopping the military-industrial complex, whatever you want to call it, from doing its mass murder campaigns again and again and again, crashing the economy, resetting the money, and then doing it over again in a huge cycle. Bitcoin can break this cycle forever and put the power to create money into the hands of people. There will be no banks as intermediaries in all of this. It will be just people sending messages to each other over whatever device they, they choose to use. And this is a, a fundamental change in how not only people use money, but what money is, the way people think about money. And actually, uh, in the future, people are not going to change the way they think about money. I've come to uh, accept this grudgingly, that most people will accept the analogies that are given to them about Bitcoin. What's important is that the people who actually understand anything don't use these analogies when they're building their business models 
and going to court, which I also think is going to be inevitable, to try and describe what Bitcoin is. That's going to be the key going forward so that the um, carbon rods can't be put down into the nuclear reactor of Bitcoin to slow down the reaction, to slow down people getting Bitcoin and starting to use, use it between each other. I think this is very, very important. And what's happening in the EU is that they're trying to ban anybody signing messages on their own device. And that's exactly what it actually means. There's uh, this idea that there's a thing called an unhosted wallet. This is not true. There are no such things as a Bitcoin wallet. All you have is a piece of software that you can sign a message with. You never actually receive Bitcoin in your wallet. It just appears that way because the information has been put in front of you to convey that analogy so that you believe that you're receiving something in exchange for something else. But the reality is quite different. It's a very, yeah. very different system. And without an understanding of this, it's uh, it puts everybody in danger of these computer illiterate people, well-meaning mm. or not, ruining the way this economy is uh, going to grow. Yeah, I've always thought that that was a very important distinction. Can you explain, like expound upon that maybe a little bit? Why is it important that we're very clear about the difference between where Bitcoin actually lives? It's not living on your wallet, right? So why is this important for people to understand? And why it's should very, we explain? It's very important for people to understand. When you say people, we have to distinguish between the kind of people we're talking about. There's people who are um, like you and me. We are people. And then there's peop uh, uh, characters like Loomis and Galliard who take these analogies and then build legal frameworks, new laws, based on their misunderstanding of what act, what's actually going on. If these people did understand that Bitcoin does never never enters into a wallet, is never transmitted, and all sort of uh, other facts about it, they could not use the term digital asset to describe it. And then, of course, this new bill that's been, uh, this, this uh, draft bill that's been written, is based on a fundamental misunderstanding of what's happening with these databases. And that's all they are, by the way. They're only databases and nothing else. And so it's super, super important that the people who know something about this, when they talk about it, only speak about it in the correct terms. That means uh, disavowing words like wallet and all the other financial activity uh, words, adjectives, nouns that people have used to analogize and contextualize Bitcoin, because those are the basis of the EU and the United States uh, representatives writing laws that are going to be an absolute disaster. Now, in the United States, there's a Supreme Court and you can challenge these laws. And so no doubt some challenges are going to be mounted. And I've written a very long piece about this new Galliard Loomis bill, tearing it to shreds, which is quite easy to do. Uh, but in the EU and other places where there we basically don't have any guaranteed rights, they're in much bigger trouble because any uh, company, software company that releases a tool that says Bitcoin wallet on it or Lightning wallet, they're going to fall under uh, these new regulations which are trying to outlaw the idea of a Bitcoin wallet. And they're going to have a problem there. In America, not so much, but it's going to take time for us to go to court. When I say us, someone to go to court challenge these bad laws and have them struck down. And if America works the way it was designed, they will be struck down. 
And the side effect of that will be that America is the number one country on earth for Bitcoin businesses, which is the way it should be, because it is the greatest country on earth. But if they pass these stupid laws, well, maybe it won't be, because Bitcoin is now inevitable. And some other jurisdiction, uh, one that maybe people won't really understand that could it could have been possible for them to be the number one country for all financial services in the future, uh, maybe that country will be the number one country. And of course, I've just said financial services. Uh, are Bitcoin services, financial services? Obviously not, they're database services. And so even when we're speaking casually, uh, it's hard to uh, keep out this financial uh, language from any kind of description of the processes that happen in Bitcoin. This happens reflexively, we're doing it for so long. But eventually it will stop. It will, it'll have to stop for us, the people who are of a deep interest, uh, uh, financial and otherwise, in Bitcoin and the, uh, the super hardcore Bitcoiners. But for the ordinary people, it's perfectly okay for them to understand Bitcoin as a form of money because that helps them use it, helps them contextualize it. But when it comes to the law, you cannot have these analogies being the basis of law. Uh, and it w they will be destroyed. You know what? That's a very interesting point you made. And, um, you know, it seems to me that when governments are trying to basically extract the wealth of their populations, oftentimes what they'll do is they will use or change the definitions of words in that process and uh, how they relate, how the, uh, they'll use words specifically to change the, the relations and, and ownership of things. So for example, in China, there's a whole ton of people that are unable to access their bank accounts and there's, you know, there's, there's protests and riots and marches and all this kind of stuff going on. But what they're, I, I read this article about it. What they, what they said is they, they have reclassified their deposits in this particular bank as investment products. Therefore, it's not their money anymore. Yes, I, 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 read, I read about that. And, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, about what's happening in China and all these other, other places. Uh, I'm less concerned about what happens in China, not being a, a, a citizen of that country and not living there. I'm more concerned about what happens in the place where uh, we operate and we have to obey the law. And so it's, uh, it's uh, quite right to point out the bad things that are happening in other countries, which are bad from uh, certainly my perspective. But in the perspective of another person uh, or another nation, what they're doing is correct in their context. And what happens in China stays in China. It's nothing to do with me. And uh, they can do whatever they want there. I think a lot of Bitcoiners are going to be uh, disappointed in the world that's coming, where it's not going to be their culture and their philosophy, which is the universal uh, culture of philosophy of the, of the entire world. Different places will have their own rules, and they'll live by those rules, and they won't be... Um, your country, quote unquote, going to tell them how they should do things and how they should live and what sort of standards they should have. Uh, the multipolar world won't be a uh, uh, the color blue with a little bit of uh, red or orange. It will be very different uh, countries with very different cultures all doing exactly what they want. And they won't be a big, bully, international policeman of the world state telling other people what they should do. So whilst it's super interesting 
to point out what's happening in China and to say that things happening there are quote-unquote bad. Of course, I for, for me, those things are not good. But what happens in China stays in China. And uh, part of preparation for the Bitcoin world is to understand that and to understand that what happens in other people's countries isn't any of your business. It's their business. You mind your business. I mind my business. My neighbors mind their business. And that's the way the world's going to work. And anybody who doesn't like it is going to find themselves in a spot of trouble because it's going to be a world where nobody tolerates uh, the ugly American or the uh, self-righteous democracy pusher going and telling other people how they should organize their stuff. That's going to end. And of course, over the 20th century, these so-called democracy pushers have been the cause of mass death all over the world. I don't know if you saw on uh, Laura Ingram's program, uh, the ex-CIA director Woolsey uh, admitting basically with a, a smile, a joke, uh, that uh, you know they've been overturning countries and playing shenanigans for decades. I think it's all a big joke. Well, you know, when you can get away with that kind of stuff, I guess it is, but it's going to end. And I, for one, prefer people who uh, don't think that that's a good thing. I mean, it's interfering in other people's business is not a good thing. It shouldn't happen. And the Bitcoin world is going to stop these people from doing that because there will be no money for it, literally. And of course, mm-hmm. there's always going to be the, the, the sort of psychotic people who think that it should be their business. Well, they're free to go and pay for it themselves and take the consequences themselves when it goes wrong because the um, there won't be a, a, a single polar, unipolar justice system all over the world. If you're trying to overtake somebody's, overthrow somebody's government in another country, well, maybe somebody's going to come after you and uh, do you in. So people will be much more respectful of other countries. They'll be chastened. They'll be much more careful. And uh, diplomacy might have a a new flourishing under the the Bitcoin system because people have to behave themselves when uh, bullying is off the table. Man, I sure hope that happens. I look forward to that. Um, One thing that I'm curious about, because I agree with you, the words that we use are extremely important and that these analogies that are being kind of crafted into legislature by people who don't fully understand what they're talking about is not a good thing. However, as human beings, we use analogies to teach each other things. And usually when someone's trying to learn a new idea, you have to put it in a context that they will understand so they can build a point of reference. Thus, the reason why we use analogies in the first place, and this is a very, very old method of teaching humans. This has been around for thousands and thousands of years. So I'm curious, like, do you... What are your thoughts on that? Do you have any other solutions or ideas or ways we can go about crossing those kind of context bridges with people? I think you're absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with using analogies, and I use them all the time. They're super useful. It's a very uh, uh, powerful way to get ideas across. What is wrong is when lawmakers take these analogies, convert it into something that they think is uh, real, making it real, uh, for, for want of a better description, and then using that to do violence against people. So like saying that Bitcoin is an asset. 
that is not true. Bitcoin is not an asset. And it's completely wrong to write a law on the basis that Bitcoin is an asset. That's the, my only complaint. People using English in whatever way they want personally in their business or their private lives, it's, it's, it's their business entirely. What's wrong is when the violent thugs and ignorant people take these analogies, assume that that's what the, the reality is, and then start writing laws about it. So, for example, people call uh, the tools that are used on phones to sign messages Bitcoin wallets. And, of course, what do wallets hold? They, they hold money. And then in that case, if they hold money and Bitcoin is being held in a Bitcoin wallet, well, then it must be a financial instrument of some kind. And then all of a sudden, SEC, FinCEN, uh, and all the rest of it is assumed to be the competent authority because we're talking about money. After all, are we not? Actually, we're not. We're talking about a tool in using an analogy. And that's not the reality. But you cannot make this argument when you show somebody a Bitcoin wallet and it has a dollar sign next to a balance, and even the you know the Bitcoin symbol next to a number, which is assumed is the balance on that device. And so, uh, when you see how things work in an analogized context to make it easier to use, the legislators think that's the way it actually works in practice. That's what's actually happening, and of course, it's not. So, it. it Using analogies is fine. And in the future, by the way, when the state and its power has been vastly diminished, it will be safe for every software developer to use whatever analogy takes their fancy because there isn't a violent, ignorant thug around the corner who's going to run with that analogy and make some stupid law to control how you sign messages on your iPhone or Android. Well said. Well said. Signing device. They're signing devices, people. From here on out, I'm going to be calling it a signing device. You hear me call it that other thing. I expect you guys to correct me because from here on out, it's a signing device. Oh, we got a lot of people with hands up. We're going to go with questions now. If that's okay, Beauty On, we'll, we'll take questions from the panel. Also from the audience. If in the in the audience you want to ask a question, um, you can request to come up. If you want to ask it in text, you can do it in our Telegram group, t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. That's t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. I think, Surfer Jim, you've had your hand up for a while. Let's go with you, then Pubby and Tummer. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Beautyon. Thanks for coming. Um, you, your writings uh, have influenced my understanding of Bitcoin over the years, so I very much appreciate your perspective. I would like you to help me, if you don't mind, clean up my phrasing, my description uh, that I use when I tell people what Bitcoin is. And what I first try to get them to visualize is a computer network, individual computers that are running a particular software that communicates with each other. Stop. What, okay. When you describe WhatsApp to somebody, how do you describe WhatsApp? I don't even try. Nobody's ever asked me to, and I've never okay. thought to. <laughs> Sorry. I look, this is why I'm asking the question. If okay. I'm using the wrong words, I want to correct it, because I trust your uh, perspective better than my own. Let's do, well, you shouldn't. You should always trust your own judgment. Well, no, but. you have a more understanding. You've been around longer. I, I just, I'm still, I feel like I got some more to learn, and that's why I'm here asking questions, so... Help okay. me out if well, you don't let, mind. Let's, let's, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Let's, let's uh, think about a tool that both of us uh, know about. 
and see how we would describe it. Let's pick WhatsApp. If you've used WhatsApp, correct? No, but I think I know no? what it does. Okay. Like, do you, okay, do you, do, you, do you use Telegram? Yes, I figure it's like that. You use Telegram. Okay, so uh, let's say that you want to uh, get me to go on Telegram. How would you describe Telegram to me? I would say it's a way that you and I can communicate with each other. It's a platform for you and I to communicate. Exactly right. So yeah. it, you don't talk about uh, the encryption used to make sure that nobody can read your Telegram messages, the sign-up right. procedure, or anything else. You just say it's a way that we can uh, communicate with each other. Go download it and then go, go find me on Telegram and then we can talk. That's it. It's a, exactly the same with Bitcoin. I'm going to send you $100. Go get Moon Wallet or Satoshi and I'll send you the $100 now. That's all you have to say. Everything oh. else that has to do with Bitcoin <laughs> is totally irrelevant. And I can tell you this quite sincerely, that the billions of people who are coming to Bitcoin will not know or care anything about the underlying uh, dynamics of how it works. I'll give you another example. You know what Skype is, right? Yes. Okay, Skype started out as a, uh, a side product of the Kazaa file sharing uh, network, which used people's nodes to share files uh, between each other over the internet. So you could download Kazaa, share people's files, and help the network move files around. The people who um, wrote Kazaa, one of them's name is Anders, realized that they could use this to route telephone calls, well, what appeared to be telephone calls. And so they launched Skype. Now, Skype obviously isn't a telephone, but what is interesting about it is that it uses a, a, a network of users to route calls around to each other. Now, when... I used to tell people to go and use Skype. I didn't give them a description of Kazaa, the uh, Anders, the history of the uh, Nutella and everything else and, uh, and all that kind of stuff to do with how it actually works. I used to say to people, if you want to call me, I'm on Skype. Download Skype, I'm right there. And that's it. This absolutely must happen with Bitcoin, where people don't attempt to describe how it works, Austrian economics, or anything else to do with it. Just get this app, and I'll send you a hundred bucks. Okay, that's, that's great for the for the simple person. I was not asking about that, and I probably should have been more clear. I want to have the high level technical discussion that you described earlier, and for those people who want to know that level stuff. I try to describe a network of computers that speaks to its, to each other, and they all follow the same set of rules. Now, if that's incorrect, stop me right there, but I'd like to continue what I say. It's not much. I try to simplify it as best I can. So what I would then say is this system, uh, these set of rules will produce digital files, which is essentially just a number. Okay, Jim, um, I'm going to stop you for a second. Do you have a question or was going to be, wanted, going to be like a, is this, I guess yes, what I don't I do. want to do is spend the next okay. 20 minutes doing a coaching session on how you should okay. explain Bitcoin. No, all right. If you have a question, I do have a question. question. I do have a question. Uh, he explains uh, the Bitcoin network from a technical level when regarding, regarding laws that it's a messaging system. And that was what I was trying to use the words that I use to verify if I'm saying it correctly. So we'll skip that. My point was going to be, 
there still needs to be some people who have to understand it that way, i.e. the lawmakers. And when we're talking to people who have any type of influence or connection to those people, I think it's helpful if they get that description uh, versus the simple description of money or the analogy of money for all the reasons you pointed out. And I was just wondering, I was curious, uh, how, what would be the most concise way to say that stuff to the people who need to hear it or want to hear it? Thank you. That's, <clears throat> that's actually a very, very good question. Uh, what is the, the most concise way to describe Bitcoin so that the lawmakers don't make a mistake? And I think the problem here is that these so-called lawmakers are computer illiterates. So no matter what description you give them, no matter how concise or accurate or factual it is, they don't have the capacity to understand what it is you're talking about. Their eyes glaze over and uh, they just want to get to the lunch. Uh, so this is- Gideon, when you say computer illiterate, do you mean without computer science background or just don't use computers at all? Now, computer computer literacy in 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 this context means that they use a a, a a laptop like a typewriter. They don't have any idea about how any of it works underneath the hood to any extent. It's exactly the same as a mechanical typewriter. Instead of using a piece of paper, it has a, a glowing screen in the front. And they put the glowing screen down when they don't want to use it and put the glowing screen up when they do want to use it. And that's all they know about computers. They have absolutely no idea about files, file systems, uh, networks, nothing. And these people, who are the actually the majority of people on Earth, it's perfectly fine to be like that. You can uh, use computers, you can uh, make money out of them, do all kinds of great stuff. But what you cannot do is design legislation to control the processes going under the hood of a device that you have no understanding of. That's unacceptable. And in fact, even if the person was a computer literate, it's unacceptable in the United States that they should have uh, any inkling of an idea that they should write legislation to prevent people from sending messages over a network. But that's what computer illiteracy means. Computer illiteracy means that they have zero understanding. It's basically like, like being illiterate in English. You can't write or read English. Those people can't write or read uh, computer if you want to have a... a uh, a short, uh, a short description of it. All right, Bubby. Good morning, Bubby. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, it's great to see you have beauty on. Um, just always, always have uh, thought provoking uh, things. Um, yeah, I really love the way you were talking about analogies. Um, and in fact, with wallet, I'll tell you, it is a lot. When I first started, when I heard the word wallet, I, I had assumed I had just uh, downloaded um, Bitcoin and was holding it on my phone there for a bit. Uh, so I think that's a great distinction. And I, I think that a lot of lawmakers are are using it. You, you see, you see what they put out there um, to to keep Bitcoin from expanding. Um, when, when you see it's used by terrorists, it's used by drug dealers. Now in legislation, and I think they're going to use the terms just that will uh, be including words like unhosted wallet. What a scary term for, oh, my God, this guy has an unhosted wallet when, as you say, it is not a wallet. Um, I'm curious what your views are on other attack vectors you may not have spoken about. Um, I, I know you had a tweet uh, yesterday regarding sort of a loose confederation of, of countries in Central Africa um, that will 
do have their own sort of cryptocurrency. And, and it takes me back to days of early Internet when companies, um, as Andreas Antonopoulos used to talk about, companies would say, yeah, we want that, but we want control. And then you had intranets they were trying to do, which ultimately failed. Uh, what other attack vectors um, do you think are not being represented enough or, or discussed enough in, in Bitcoin? That's a very, very good question. Um, I think the best way to, to predict what's going to happen in terms of attack vectors is to look at how they tried to uh, stop other uh, networked uh, activity, networking activity in the past. And the most, the, the one that with the closest analogy to uh, Bitcoin is software piracy. Software piracy uh, has been absolutely massive uh, from the, the early 90s right up to uh, today. It's going on like you would just absolutely not believe. And because Bitcoin is just data, it's just text, and so is uh, the new Top Gun movie, for example. It's just text, a big long text file, but it's just text. It is not possible for the state to stop people from uh, spreading text to each other uh, ad hoc and on demand. And with Bitcoin, because the tools are so sophisticated, so beautiful, and so extremely powerful, you can memorize your mnemonic and then use that to move an unlimited amount of quote-unquote money from A to B or to nowhere without anybody knowing anything about it. It's not like uh, a five gigabyte uh, Top Gun file, which requires you being online for like a two hours to download it. A, a mnemonic is vanishingly short. And so the, the, the methods and the opportunities for people to move money around without anybody seeing it are going to proliferate and be uh, in, done in numbers that are very hard to imagine today. Just as in the early days of Bitcoin, when it was $100, uh, $200, nobody imagined it was going to be $20,000. Very hard to imagine, but it is going to happen. And because everybody has a need for money, much more than they have for pirated wares or pirated movies, the effects are going to be much, much stronger, much more widespread, and uh, geometrically harder to stop. There's no way they can stop Bitcoin. There are essentially... Uh, no attack vectors that they can uh, use to stop people uh, sending Bitcoin to each other and doing all the other things that they're going to do uh, to move money around. And because Bitcoin is uh, legitimate and it's being accepted by uh, online retailers and even just individuals, it's going to be very hard to ban people from accepting Bitcoin. And of course, uh, let's actually <laughs> revise what I'm saying. Uh, there are people who are trying to make an attack vector uh, with these uh, so-called chain analysis companies. And as I've written before, uh, when Bitcoin is everywhere and all Bitcoin is tainted, these chain analysis companies won't be able to uh, have a, a blacklist saying this Bitcoin is no good. You're not allowed to take it in your... Because <laughs> uh, it'll all be blacklisted. Because it, it'll all be blacklisted. <laughs> Because Bitcoin gets used again and again and again, it'll all be blacklisted. There's going to be a set oh, number of so Bitcoin. Funny. And you know, there's nothing anybody can do about it. They're not going to be able to take all the Bitcoin out of the economy and uh, you know relaunch Bitcoin again. So you can have a whole bunch of fresh coins that uh, uh, replaced all the old Bitcoin in 2019. That's not going to happen. So everybody's going to just get used to it. They're going to get used to the fact that 
Bitcoin is used for everything, literally everything. Some things you might like, some things you might not like, but that's got nothing to do with you personally. How you use Bitcoin personally has nothing to do with anybody else. It's just math. And if somebody else buys some uh, marijuana or whatever else it is, and you happen to be, be the, the fifth one that receives those coins, it's just nothing to do with you. And so you should be able to spend that money uh, just as you, you spend any other kind of money in the, the fiat world where somebody snorted some cocaine up a $100 bill. Uh, yeah, you should be able to spend that. You don't use cocaine. Somebody else did that. And there is... Uh, some law about this in the UK, I think it was Crawford versus the Bank of England, where some guy wrote down the serial numbers of 50 pound notes that had been given to him and he wanted the bank to return them to him because he knew that they had been uh, stolen from him and uh, the bank had the ability to recover them. And that the, the court found that no, the importance of the fungibility of money is more uh, important to society, quote unquote, than you getting your 250 pounds back. And so they threw the case out. This has to happen in Bitcoin where this chain analysis fad is uh, incinerated. And people understand that Bitcoin is just Bitcoin. There's no such thing as tainted Bitcoin or anything like that. The, the advantages to society are going to be so profound that I think once they start to, to touch, nobody will talk about denying uh, access to Bitcoin. Anything that stops fungibility is anti-Bitcoin. Anybody, any uh, BIP proposal, any company, if they're doing things that stops fungibility, they are your absolute mortal enemy. And that's a fact. Bitcoin must move frictionlessly from person to person, company to person, person to company, wherever it needs to go, so that this uh, transformation from fiat to sound money can happen. So awesome. Tomer. Uh, yeah, okay, great. I managed to unmute my mic. Hi there. Um, I have so many questions I want to ask, but I guess, I guess uh, what I will ask is, you've been in this space for so long, you've been writing and thinking about this space for so long, and I'm curious to know if you have had any particular uh, discoveries throughout the process of things that happened that were, were surprises to you, things you expected to happen that surprisingly and either disappointingly or, or favorably didn't turn out to happen, or things that, um, things that just it, it rolled out in a, in a different manner, perhaps deeper th than you had anticipated. If maybe you could like cite one or two of those ahas and, and maybe the reason that in hindsight you think things were different than how you might have expected them to turn out. Well, that's another good question. And thank you for all these uh, very, very good questions today. Um, well, I thought that this would happen much quicker, this being Bitcoin spreading into the hands of uh, millions of people much quicker. And obviously there are some technical reasons why that couldn't have happened. Uh, earlier, and so I've had to adjust my um, uh, my, my desire for this to happen quickly, uh, so that it fits inside of what's uh, technically possible. And also, I'm very surprised by the altcoin scene. Uh, these altcoins are really quite something, and I think there's probably some kind of formula that you could write down that correlates the IQs of people to the numbers of. Uh, uh, altcoins that are out there. There are just too many altcoins, too many people going for these things, and it's very, very weird. 
Uh, I think the free market is very messy and it's not a fantasy place where uh, justice is done out of the box automatically. It's super and messy means that things get happen that you don't particularly like. There's, there's like this NFT fad, which is uh, perplexing, baffling, and very, very, very weird. Now, uh, people who are in this chat, my, in this in this space, might understand that uh, the the NFT thing is uh, completely irrational. But there have been other irrational things before, like the pet rocks and those kind of bits. So. Uh, it, people do irrational things. And when they see big dollar signs attached to uh, any activity, you're going to attract uh, a certain class of person who wants to get rich quick. Nothing wrong with that, of course. And they will go along with whatever narrative is being pushed. And so we have to get, we being anybody who's interested in Bitcoin and the outcome, you've got to get used to the fact that uh, people are going to do these things. There's going to be splits. There's going to be factions. There's going to be uh, all kinds of stuff, which is uh, head-scratching, upsetting, and everything else. But in the end, Bitcoin is going to triumph. Bitcoin is going to be the thing that changes the world in the same way that TCPIP, the web, email, and everything else, and the uh, single uh, the single internet protocols change the entire world. Getting there... Uh, there's going to be market activity, which means people trying different things, people making money, people losing money. And that's perfectly normal. If we stay the course, make the case, put out our, our, our services and tools and make them as best as we, as we can, then we, it, the history says we're going to win. And so this is what we have to stay focused on. And it's what's very frustrating is that uh, you can see this if you have any idea of what uh, the history has been like. Uh, you can see it coming. And people who are old enough to see it coming should also be able to see it coming. But when you tell them uh, the facts about Bitcoin, how it is directly related to other things that have been developed on the, on the, on the Internet, that bring people together, join people with the devices together, that all of a sudden, that's like a shutter comes down uh, over their intellect and they start to dribble. And, you know, it's, it's absolutely frustrating. But if we have the means to carry on long enough, we are going to see the end of the fiat world and something very, very surprising and better come out of the woodwork and it'll be all of a sudden just there it'll be just just like the in the 19, 1990s it was very rare to see a store that had uh, a website now seeing stores that don't have websites are the exception so this can happen it's happened before in recent history so it's it's going you're going to live to see god willing you're going to live to see a world where every single store in every single place accepts Bitcoin. You're going to see it because it's too good. Bitcoin is too good. Bitcoin is better than any banking app. And anybody who's used one of these banking apps from all the, the fiat banks, you know how horrible they are. They are horrible. They make mistakes. People can get into your quote-unquote account and spend your money uh, without you knowing it. It's absolutely dreadful. All of that goes away with Bitcoin. And another thing that goes away is the inability of people in the so-called third world to spend money on uh, first world websites. 
they're basically cut off from e-commerce because of the problems the fiat system has built into it. This all goes away with Bitcoin. It's going to be uh, an economic boom of the kind that's very rarely seen in a human mm. society, where literally a billion more people are all brought onto e-commerce because they all have Bitcoin on their mobile phones. It's just that the thought of it is makes me have goosebumps. And how other, people don't, how other people don't get goosebumps about this, I just don't know. They think about all the problems to do with Bitcoin, uh, you know, quote-unquote money laundering, everything else, and all these so-called representatives who are trying to protect the public from uh, the, the bad use cases of Bitcoin. Uh, these guys really don't understand what they're doing because the countries where accepting Bitcoin is the norm and the uh, software procedures and interfaces are very well developed, they're going to make the most money. That's what they should be encouraging. And none of these laws, like this absurd and insulting Loomis bill, are going to help anybody get anything done in a better way. No good software is going to come out of it. In fact, it's going to harm the market. So uh, people who do these sorts of things don't understand uh, what Bitcoin is and how it's going to change everything. That's clear from their actions and clear from their thinking. And so it's incumbent upon everybody to do whatever they can to shoot down these awful pieces of legislation before they get anywhere near the Senate floor or Congress floor to get voted on because they're anti-Bitcoin. And it actually will destroy the value of the Bitcoin that you're relying on to have a greater value in the future. Because it has less utility, there'll be less demand for it, and the value of the Bitcoin will not be as high as it could have been should these people have just kept in their place, uh, which is to take a broom and keep the roads clean. That's what their job is, not to tell people, <laughs> not to tell people what they should be doing with, with the data on their phones. Completely absurd. Uh, I love this guy. Okay. Um, we're pretty much out of time. I see your hand, Jim, but we're not going to go. We don't have any more time. I want to make a quick comment. And then we're going to move to wrap. I want to let Beauty on make some closing comments and we'll close it up. Um, the comment I was going to make is, is that this has been a super fascinating conversation. I have loved it. Um, Beauty on, I, I've really enjoyed this, man. You know, I had people tell me, this guy is great. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll see. <laughs> but like, seriously, I've really immensely enjoyed the conversation. You are welcome back anytime. I've learned a ton from you. I hope you do come back. Well, we slay you. all our Bitcoin heroes. Well, thank you for help. Thank you for having me. You've been very gracious, and the questions have been top notch, uh, top quality. So it's great to talk to people who actually understand uh, what it is they're dealing with. It's uh, it's very encouraging. All right. So, do you have any closing comments that you want to make, Beauty? On anything you want to plug? Do you want anybody to go look at anything or anything you want to say? Is fine. Uh, well, I'm sure most of you know that I'm running the company called Azteco, and we have uh, points all over the map where you can buy Bitcoin, uh, either on-chain or on Lightning, and you don't have to identify yourself to do that. So if you're interested in uh, getting Bitcoin in a very true-to-Bitcoin way, you can head over to azte.co and uh, see if there's one of our vendors near you. And there's a couple of people on Telegram who have bots where you can buy uh, our vouchers. And that's basically my contribution to this 
uh, world-changing event to make it trivially easy for anyone to buy Bitcoin without having to jump through any hoops of any kind in the same way that uh, you can go out and buy yourself an iPhone uh, with cash. Uh, you should be able to buy Bitcoin with cash and not have to identify yourself because it's just a database. It's not money. And we're actually we're actually doing it. So uh, I hope that you get a chance to try Azteco. And if you, if you do, you like it and tell other people that it's there. So you don't have to accept abuse. Abuse in 2022, when we're talking about Bitcoin, is a choice. It's not a requirement. You don't have to identify yourself to use Bitcoin because Azteco is there. You don't have to um, accept other people's narratives of how you should be using Bitcoin. It's up to you how you use it. It's going to get better and better going forward, but you must uh, think about what you're doing, have some kind of awareness as far as possible of what's in the market, and choose those companies and those tools, those wallet developers that have your best interests at heart. Uh, it's not easy to do. Uh, everybody has to do what the best that they can do. And there are many, many problems and constraints that people face. And uh, those problems are generally come from the state. So it's important for people to be supported so that we get to the end point, which hopefully won't be too far away, where we can say, do you remember the days of fiat? Wasn't it awful? And that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're working towards. And I wish all of you the best. Hell yeah. I love it. Get on the damn mission. All right. That's a wrap. I'm going to hand it over to Tino. Announcements from Bitcoin Mag. Awesome. Thank, that was an awesome spaces. Thanks to everyone who came out. Um, just a reminder... Uh, join us in Amsterdam on October 12th to 14th this year for Bitcoin Amsterdam. We're bringing together the most brilliant minds in Bitcoin from across Europe and beyond for three days of learning, teaching, networking, and inspiring the Bitcoin community. Also, check out our latest Bitcoin magazine release, The Censorship Resistant Issue. Uh, you can get a subscription for that at Bitcoin Magazine's website and uh, use the code BMLive for a 10% discount. And last but not least... Don't miss the Bitcoin Magazine live show at 1 p.m. Eastern time. You can find us on YouTube or Rumble. And uh, it's a great show with uh, high signal and fun Bitcoin banter. So thanks for the spaces. That was awesome. It was fantastic. One of the yeah. best we've ever done, I think. All right. That's a wrap. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news. A great place to learn about Bitcoin, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in Bitcoin to just chill, talk about what's going on. This is also a podcast. It's up on Fountain, Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts. You can throw myself or Swan Bitcoin a follow to be notified of when those drop. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine sponsors of the show, my crew, and Shane, Sats for Life, producer Jacob. I am your host, Alex Danzig. I work with Swan Bitcoin. If you want to know more about Swan, shoot me a DM. Happy to help you myself. Thanks again, Beatdown already took off, but thanks, Beatdown, for hanging out, man. That was fantastic. And all the speakers that come in here on a regular basis take their time to teach the world about this thing, the bright orange future. Man, I am super pumped after that. Get on the damn mission. I love all of you guys. Everybody go out there, have a great day today, and crush it. <laughs>